Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning. Wake up! The Early Line. Line up! All right, here we go. Welcome in. It is a uh, Thursday already. Hard to believe that already. It is uh, the day before Valentine's Day. That would be the 13th of February. I'm Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here on The Grid. It is the early line as we look to get you caught up with everything that happened overnight in the sports betting world and take a look ahead today as we, uh, we've we got 62 today. That's right, 62 College Hoops games in store for you. Only two NBA games, but they are two good ones as we get ready for the All-Star Weekend. We do have 11, uh, that's right, 11 NHL games. They're already past that whole All-Star shenanigan, so they are making the final push here towards the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is always fun. Uh, And last night, and we're going to get into this, it was another monster night for contrarian betters. And if you are new to this show and you are new to the concept of being a contrarian better or how to even recognize how to go about it, we'll go ahead and break it down for a couple of games last night that absolutely were example example one and one A on how and why it is so very valuable to be able to identify the market movements and where the public money is going versus where the smart money is going some are easier to tell than others, but there were a couple of examples last night that shined through, which is a uh, it's great gambling you for you guys this morning. And we'll show you exactly how to do that. Plus, we have updates. Uh, the bubble watch there in college hoops last night. A couple of more teams did exactly what they needed to do in order to be able to uh, solidify their place in that in the big tournament coming up March 15th for Selection Sunday, while others. Bleh, yeah, didn't do so good there. It was uh, it was rough. It was also rough for teams like the Miami Heat last night out on the West Coast who uh, don't like the West Coast. Eh? Miami Heat are just not having a good time out on the West Coast. Uh, they are not yeah. uh, not good. Denver also not having a very good time uh, after losing in overtime to LeBron James and company. And a huge injury last night. In the Western Conference, that'll affect not only this weekend's All-Star game, but possibly moving forward. We'll cover all of that. But first, let's check in with Dan Strafford. Have him get you caught up with all the headlines for overnight here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid. News update. Well, uh, Damian Lillard with the strain. Yes, that's right. Lillard strained his right groin against the Grizzlies on Wednesday and will undergo an MRI today. Lillard pulled up after a drive late in the fourth quarter and immediately went back to the locker room. We'll see what the prognosis is at some point today. Top performers in the National Basketball Association from Wednesday night. LeBron James put up a triple-double in overtime, 32 points, 14 assists, 12 rebounds, a poor shooting performance from three-point range, one for seven, but one 15 of 29 from the field, and a 120 to 116 Lakers win at Denver. TJ Warren, yes, TJ Warren with a huge night, 35 points, 
seven rebounds and assists, four steals, did have two turnovers in 39 minutes as the Pacers beat the Milwaukee Bucks 118 to 111. Giannis Gumbo missed that game after the birth of his son, Liam. Luka Doncic had a double-double with eight assists, 33 points, 12 boards as the Dallas Mavericks beat the Sacramento Kings 130-111. to Christoph Porzingis in that same game, 27 points, 13 boards, 5 assists. Aaron Gordon had himself a night, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, as the Orlando Magic got by the Detroit Pistons, 116-112. to In baseball, Rich Hill has begun a throwing program and hopes to make his Twins debut in early June. Hill underwent primary and revision surgery on his left elbow in October and is expected to miss the first half of the season. Padres young star Fernando Tatis Jr. will have no limitations during spring training. The Padres have no plans to move him to center field. Tatis missed the last six weeks of 2019 season due to a stress reaction in his back. And in the NFL, we'll see if it does anything, but Jameis Winston is trying to make 2020-2020. The quarterback tied to the Tampa Bay franchise decided this offseason was the year to get LASIK surgery. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, Dan, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, yes, Jameis uh, trying to uh, actually be like, oh, my God, I can see I, I can see what uniforms uh, they, they're wearing. I won't throw it to the other team, uh, but we'll see if that makes any difference. We do have some uh, we do have some NFL rumors swirling around Cam Newton, Philip Rivers. We'll go ahead and talk about those. But last night, Dan, another contrarian just dream for uh, for betters in college hoops is we had 51 games on the market last night and you had, I believe, one, two, five, let's say five of the top heavily bet games, the most handled, the games that saw the most action, all five went in favor of the sports books last night. That, ladies and gentlemen, is contrarian 101 anytime and think of it this way contrarian uh, an idea of being a contrarian is basically when the sports books win and the public loses right so joe public likes the favorites likes the overs likes some of the predictable things the sports books right. like to go the other way so when you have lopsided action like we saw last night for instance in alabama's game versus auburn we talked about this on the show yesterday Alabama was getting eight points in that game as a closing line. They were only getting one out of four bets, Dane. That was all they were getting all day. Auburn was getting hammered. Unbelievable. Yeah, that game went to uh, overtime, by the way. Now, Alabama lost, but Alabama lost 95-91 in overtime, which means those very small percentage, Dane, the 25%, let's say, that uh, one out of four that actually bet Alabama, yeah, that's that's what you call contrarian because it wasn't uh, any way, shape, or form the sharp money that was hanging out on the favorite Auburn. It was it was definitely the house side, shall you say, or the twenty five percent side, the lesser side. So Alabama covers doesn't win, but that is yet just another shining example of. And we even yesterday, Georgia Tech last night. Georgia Tech opens up as a six point underdog at home against Louisville. And then yesterday, by eight o'clock, we're going. The line's going the other way. Like it's five and a half now. Like what? What's? What are you? What's going? Eighty percent of the bets are going to Louisville. Why is the line moving? Yeah, the line is moving down because that's um, that's what you call contrarian plays. The bigger money, the more professional mm -hmm. money, 
back in Georgia Tech who also happened to upend and win the game outright. So, you know, Dane, we say it, if we said it once, we should get a sign made. Yeah, really. Don't overthink the room, brother. Do not overthink the room. Just follow the money, Dane. You follow the money, and then we see these guys falling on the same kinds of trends that we were talking about. Home, Seton Hall at home, big division, uh, big conference matchup. Creighton goes in there. And, Joe, even the cream of the crop are not immune to this, right? And we saw that in Georgia Tech. We saw that in Georgia Tech. Louisville, number five in the country, goes in, can't get it done against the Yellow Jackets. You know, you mentioned Auburn, Alabama. It took overtime for the home favorite to actually eke one out in that one. Yep, yep. We had South Florida, too, as another example. Guys received one out of five. They received 20% of the bets were coming in on South Florida last night. That game moved from getting six, South Florida, to getting five and a half, 80-20. Like, what in the world is going on against Houston? They lost 62-58, but guess who covered? Sure the did. sports books got, and now the sports books again. They get eighty percent of that money. They'll gladly pay out Dane the twenty percent of the tickets, even to the sharper betters. Yeah. When on an entire night, when you have five of the most heavily bet games in favor of the books, that's a contrarian dream, Dane, and that's how you make money in the long run. It's not following the public and the chalky favorites. It's doing sometimes, Dane, having to put your money at the window. On some plays where you're going, oh, that's a, oh, they're not going to yeah. win this game. You know, we talk about win. like the close your eyes special sometimes, right? <laughs> you know, and bounce back. It's and because true. the reasons that you take some of these guys or, or, or lean with some of these trends are things mm-hmm. that the public doesn't see. You know, for right. example, we were talking yesterday about the Miami Heat. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Miami Heat were what? On like the fourth of a five game road trip. You yeah. know what I mean? But people who are looking to bet that individual game are just like, oh, Miami Heat, they just made trades. They look good. They're 16 games over. Mm -hmm. And you forget about some of the other ancillary details that the public doesn't always look to that we are giving you the information on here on SportsGrid. And a lot of times, that's the trump card. That's the most important thing to think about when capping these games. Yeah, and you mentioned that Creighton-Seton Hall game, Dane. Now, we liked Seton Hall. But it was a big number. It was minus six yesterday. But as the day went on, more bets for Seton Hall. Less of a spread, though. Went to five and a half and even five at some point. You're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Why? If everyone wants Seton Hall to win and the bets are betting Seton Hall, why is the why are we making why is the book making it easier to cover for Seton Hall and those better? Well, they weren't. It was uh, it was the it was and there it is. It was absolutely the 20, uh, the 23 percent of the bets that came in on Creighton, Dane, only 23 percent as the public and the majority of the bets. And I don't care if they're five dollar bets, ten dollar bets, 20. It doesn't make a difference when you have that kind of lopsided action. uh, And all of a sudden that Creighton wins, the dog wins, Georgia Tech dog wins outright. Uh, Auburn, uh, Alabama doesn't win, but covers that, that accounted in each one of those that accounted for eight, over 80 percent of the bets. And they didn't win, which means 80 percent of those people who bet on the game. They're trying to figure out where it all went wrong. Well, well they could listen to us today. Yes, we're going to point it out because we got more inflated lines tonight. We'll cover it. Yes, sir. coming up here on the grid. Sportsgrid.com is the early line. Yeah. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. early line here on sports grid like we were talking about beforehand oh it sounds like we got bent but like as we were talking about we had a huge amount of action i want to talk about the big east real quick okay well a lot of these games in the big east listen they are close games if you are watching them the creighton seton hall game the villanova marquette game 72 71 even the butler xavier game these these are teams that can play both ways these are the teams that are deep and i we've been talking all season long about how this is a year where the acc is a little bit down okay the pac 10 is a little bit down or pac 12 right and so this may be the year that one of those, you know, smaller market and, you know, or mid-major teams actually do crack through. And if you look at the Big East, there are five or six different schools that could be worth your betting dollar when it comes, uh, you know, when it comes time to get to uh, March. All right. I'm thinking... We talk also about the regional bias. So if you're listening to us on the West Coast, you may not see teams like Creighton. You may not see teams like Butler going after it. And I think that is absolutely important. Another thing we are going to talk about today is, you know, Major League Baseball. All right. Major League Baseball, they came out and finally, finally made um, the kind of – the determination of different rule changes that were going to be in play this year. All right. And the first one, and I think this is huge, and I don't know why this wasn't, to be quite honest, why this wasn't formally announced a little bit earlier. All right. The first one that I think is very, very important is it's official. When you bring in a pitcher now mid inning, they are going to have to face three batters. That, that means there is no such thing anymore as the lefty specialist. OK, you know, you always bring in the guy in the eighth inning to face the tough lefty in the middle of the lineup. That is not going to happen anymore. All right. When you come in now as a reliever, you have to face a three batter minimum or the end of the inning. You have to like close out the inning. So I guess it's still possible if you're going to bring in the lefty. You know, um, but there's already two outs, right? Because then you could just get that last out and come in with someone new afterwards. But this is really, really weird to me. Um, they are, in essence, doing away with the lefty specialist. And I really wonder what the Players Association, you know, is, is going to say about this or, I mean, or did say about this, right? Because there are jobs out there, you know, there are guys who extend their careers by being the lefty specialist, by being the guy who comes in in the seventh or eighth inning to get that tough lefty 
you know, in the key spot, in the high leverage innings and are making themselves money. They're making themselves contracts. They are they are staying, you know, they are extending their careers in order to do that. And I think it's very, very interesting. How will teams construct their bullpens now? And do these guys, um, are they out of a job? You know, the second thing that I think is very, very interesting in uh, if you're if you're starting to think about baseball with obviously pitchers and catchers reporting with a lot of teams. I know the Yankees reported yesterday. Boy, did they have some things to say about the Houston Astros scandal. We'll get to that in a second. The other thing that I think is very interesting as you start to dig into Major League Baseball. Is that they've extended the rosters. Okay, they've extended the rosters. You know about the 25-man roster. It is now the 26-man roster. All right? So, again, how are teams going to be constructed? Because not only do you not need to carry the lefty specialist anymore on your roster because it's almost null and void unless it's the very end of the inning, but now you have an extra spot. How are teams going to use that extra spot? Do you think it's going to be more of um, another defensive replacement? Or do you think they'll carry an extra arm? Or do you think this could be the beginning of teams starting to uh, differ in their rotations? We've talked about the potential for a six-man rotation. That's what happens in in, uh, Japanese baseball, and it gives them less wear and tear on their arms. Might some teams opt with the extra spot to go into a six-man rotation? Here's how I would think about it, to be quite honest. I don't think that is going to be necessarily a pinch hitter. I don't think it is necessarily going to be a defensive replacement. I don't think it is necessarily going to be another guy in the bullpen or another arm. I think it would behoove teams. And I know Major League Baseball is running away from this. Running is my word. I think every team could legitimately employ their 26th man to be a speed guy, to be a pinch runner. Okay, to be one guy who comes on in when you get the leadoff man on in the eighth inning and you're down by one or you're tied and he comes in just to pinch run and swipe a bag. The art of the stolen base has left Major League Baseball. The art of the hit and run has left Major League Baseball. The art of manufacturing runs have left Major League Baseball, and I wonder if some teams opt to make this 26th man be a, a, a speed specialist, shall we say, what the impact could be. I mean, you don't need an extra power bat. Everybody in Major League Baseball these days is hitting 240 and knocking in 30 home runs. You have that in spades already on your roster with your, you know, with your fourth outfielder, with your backup corner infielder or catcher. What we don't generally have, you have the Swiss Army knife guy who can play four different positions. What a lot of teams are lacking is speed and that guy that can go out and swipe you a bag if need be. I would be very I'm going to be very interested to see how these teams go out and fill out these rosters um with uh you know like I said with uh that that last that last kind of uh roster spot that they have. All right. Um 
I, oh, Joe, you know, Dan, I did. You know, it's funny that I, I heard I just I know Monday we, they came out of Major League Baseball and they made it. We we heard about the playoff, possible playoff changes. Right. So the then day goes by. Now we hear about these new rule changes. And I'm laughing because six man rosters. Right. There's another one coming out today, apparently, where there's another set of rules. One of them, I guess, is in the ninth inning, if you're down more than three runs and you hit the ball, you can either run the first or third base, depending on which oh, way wow. you think you can get their face. Yeah, you can nice. do that also. Right. Uh, if a guy That'd steps out of the batter's box, <laughs> the pitcher gets a yeah, the pitcher gets to move up two feet and throw the next ball from there. So there's a lot of things they're working on in Major League Baseball, I think, that are, are spot on that uh, I can't wait to see what else is coming up here. I don't understand. Yeah, I hate absolutely it. crazy. I, but here's the thing, I Joe. Hate you like the it with the rule changes in the NFL. You like it when they yes. evolve. You like it yes. when they're ahead of it and they try stuff right. out. So baseball's yes. doing the same thing. I listen. I don't. Have, but I. I don't like the only one that I have a problem with. The biggest one that I had a problem with is the idea that a pitcher has to come in and face yeah. three batters. And yeah. the reason I hate that is because we've all seen enough baseball and been involved that if a guy comes in, right, bases loaded. Gives up a jack. Next guy gets up, hits a double. Hits a, there are situations, guys, where pitchers, even pros, they just don't have it. So having a guy come in from the bullpen simply, and the only reason you have this rule is an overreaction to there being a pitcher every third pitch. I get it. But the idea the of, of yeah, I mean, putting a guy in that doesn't, and it's not going to happen all the time. Most professional pitchers should be able to handle at least three batters. However. The idea that if a guy doesn't have it, a guy that's coming in there and getting crushed and all of a sudden now bases are loaded because you couldn't get him, you couldn't pull right. him out of the game. You had to wait till that I don't like. Fundamentally, that's I don't get that. Now, I think what it also is going to do, though it's going to take a few years, is it's going to force guys to learn how to pitch again, Dane. Even when you don't have it, right? Because the guy, all the old school guys that we talked about, whether it be Glavin that we've talked to, Maddox. Their big thing is that in the minor leagues, they stop teaching guys how to pitch. It's just throw. Just throw the ball. Everyone throw the ball. Just throw the, you're only going to be in there for one batter. I'm only going to – they forgot how to pitch. And maybe, just maybe, what this is going to force guys to do is instead of being so one-dimensional and so reliant and so niche, so specialist, maybe it's going to force them, Dane, to go, you know what? Even if you don't have your best stuff, guys, you're going to have to figure out – you're a pro making – millions of dollars, you got to be able to how to figure get guys out even when you don't have your best stuff. Okay, I buy that. But what I don't understand, I'm thinking about the lefty specialist, Joe. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the lefty specialist that comes in in the seventh or eighth inning to get that one right. tough lefty in the lineup, right. right? With 30 men now are without a job. That's how correct. did the Players Association allow this to happen? That's my question. You know what I mean? The lefty specialist. I remember from great Yankee teams, guys like Jeff Nelson and Graham Lloyd that would come in. You know, we talk about Andrew Miller these days as a lefty, you know, that can't, you know, lefties can't hit him. We're, these guys are, in essence, they don't have a role, really. Okay, they're going to have to be able to get righties out, too. Yeah, so I, absolutely. I, but I don't understand why, like, in the same way, if they were going to eliminate the DH, then mm -hmm. all these DHs in the American League, they don't have a job anymore. So I'm right. re I, I really don't understand why the Players Association kind of is just like, 
cool with this happening. I think it, it, it changes the marketplace and eliminates employment opportunities for, for lefty specialists. And that's weird to me, Joe. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, it's not, listen, being a specialist is nice, but you know, give me a break. If you're if your only job in life is to just you can only pitch the left-handed batters, then chances are you shouldn't be in the pros anyway. So maybe it starts weeding it out some a- of the mediocrity yeah. that we've got. Um, but because we've all grown up playing this game where righty, lefty, it didn't make a difference. You got to make a pitch. And, and it really, that's what it comes down to. And if they're going to bring you in and now I don't have a problem doing it Unless, of course, this dude is going to get lit up for three straight battles because I couldn't take him out. That's you got to give the option to be able to go. He don't have it. Good God. Let's get him out of here. They're not doing that. We'll talk more about about 26 men. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. If you can't trust your commissioner of your fantasy blank league, whether it's baseball or football or basketball, don't be in that league. I always go back to the example that my friend Alan said. He said, Mark, a fantasy commissioner is like my wife. I have to trust her. Otherwise, I can't be married to her. Fair enough. But if you don't trust your wife, maybe you shouldn't be married to her. Or maybe you should hire a private investigator to see what she's doing. Weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, welcome back in the early line here on the grid, sportsgrid.com, as we get ready for two NBA games, 62 college hoop games. We got ourselves 11 NHL games, all-star weekend almost upon us here in the NBA as a little less than 40% of the games remain before we get to the playoffs. So this uh, final push is going to be uh, is going to be pretty important. Just about four or five uh, conference games left for many of the college programs around the country trying to solidify their spot into March Madness, which uh, Selection Sunday is March 15th. Oh, yeah, and don't forget, we also got uh, we got some golf coming up here today. The Genesis Open will kick off. Tiger Woods' uh, tournament at Riviera Country Club in L.A. We'll get you some of our uh, favorite bets there, some of the matchups to look for here today. And, uh, oh, yeah, you mix in uh, still a couple of uh, UFC fights, the Daytona 500. And uh, yeah, pitchers sure. and catchers, they are descending in Arizona and uh, and South Florida, all throughout Florida, in fact, as the uh, as Major League Baseball gets ready to get underway. It's going to be an exciting uh, next couple of months here, guys, and we've got you covered. But it does. There's a lot of teams, Dane, even in college hoops last night where every game matters at this point. And we are yep. talking about teams that are, are bubble watch teams. And, and I can't remember a season and maybe you can like everybody is kind of feels like it's in the middle, right? We've only got a handful yeah. of these teams and not all of them are blue bloods where it's that top quadrant. You know what I mean? Maybe four teams, Dane, maybe four at the mm-hmm. really cream of the crop right now. And a lot of that has to do with schedule, 
But the middle pie, man, that middle, that quadrant two and quadrant three of teams, I can't remember where it's it's legitimately a coin. We're not talking about the difference between teams. Oh, are you 64? Are you 67? Right, 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 right. No, like everybody's 35. It's like I've never seen anything like this. So honestly, and and we'll see how it plays out. You know, that like you said, there is some conference games left. Conference Mm -hmm. tournaments will say a lot. But I'm telling you right now, Joe, you know, in that in that first weekend, right, everyone loves the Thursday and Friday. That's when there's Cinderella, you know, and the 12 beats the five and all that. But that first weekend, the Saturday and Sunday, Joe, we're going to have a lot of like three versus six. Oh, yes. Two versus seven. Right. Mm -hmm. And in those, that's where you're talking about the middle 35. Right. So if you just trade up, do the math, the like the three versus six kind of matchup, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a team that's like, oh, I don't know, 11th in the country versus Mm -hmm. a team that's, oh, I don't know, 24th in the country. Just Mm -hmm. like we saw last night with like Creighton and Seton Hall. When we have those kinds of teams. It's anybody's game. This rough underbelly, this middle, really encompasses so many people. I'm going to be looking at that kind of matchup, right, Joe? You know, the 2-7, yep. the 3-6. Anything is live. The yep. the 7-10 in the first round. I'm taking those dogs. I'm taking dogs. I'm taking points. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it, man. We haven't had that kind of middle parity in college yeah. in a long time. We've always, and brackets have always been for years, and listen, it may still play out that way, but brackets have for years have always been, you know, which quadrant are you in, east, west, you know, midwest, right. where's south, where are you, and where are you seated, and for the most part, outside of a handful of years, and, and I not even recently, it's always been a one seed. You know, the final two, the championship winner, one, maybe a two seed, but, right. you know, the, the idea of the Cinderella is really a false narrative. For a championship, but for a yeah. drama along the way, hell right. yeah, there, I think there's more money to be made in the early rounds this year than mm-hmm. uh, prior to the Sweet 16 than ever before. And you've got legitimate teams that are battling right now who are, they're bunched up with just about everybody else because of parity. You had Florida last night who cannot afford to lose a heck of a lot of more games. They're in the big ACC. You see Auburn, you see LSU. The Gators, very young team. They've got two freshman point guards there. They really, at home, they're one thing. Their problem has been on the road. And on the road, voila, wouldn't you know it, going up against uh, Texas A&M last night. And they got what they needed. They beat the Aggies by 17 in College Station on the road. That was exactly the kind of win that they needed to have. The problem is they do have a home win over Auburn, which is good. They got a neutral site win over Xavier. But they're six and nine, Dane, against those quadrant two, three, and four teams. So okay. it's that middle of the road team, usually yeah. on the road, like last night that they've lost yep. to. But they have. They got two games left against Kentucky. They got a home game left with LSU. And while it is Florida, and Florida is a rich tradition, not all in in basketball. Think Billy Donovan here, guys. Right. Um, they can ill afford to lose all of those games. Like, they're going to have to beat either Kentucky one out of two times or they're going to have to beat LSU at home to guarantee it and not have to sweat it out. But Florida is another one of these teams. Richmond, 
uh, is another one of these teams that for years, that mid, you know, that middle of the road, that mid-major, that uh, the max of the world, the horizon leagues of the world, we're always looking at these teams going, oh, who is it going to be? You know, right. is it going to be? Uh, Richmond is a great team. They end up winning last night. Uh, VCU is a mess. VCU this year, they're going to be out. Alabama, how in the hell, Alabama, can you lose that many games in overtime to people is beyond me. We said there was going to be a boatload of points last night, Dane. Overtime, still a boatload of points, over 180 yeah. points. Alabama, Xavier, Providence, teams that lost last night. Xavier needed that win against Butler. Butler they needed did. to win, too. But they needed that win last night, didn't get it. Providence needed that win over a two-win conference, Big East, St. John's team. In the Couldn't get it done, Dane. They could yeah. not get it done, and wouldn't you know it. Providence, Xavier, Alabama, VCU, currently the way it is with only about four games left. And VCU, we're always talking. Alabama, a year ago, made it to the Sweet 16. All of them on the verge of not playing in March, which is mind-blowing to me with how many years in a row that we've seen the Xaviers, the Providences of the yep. world. Those are the kinds of teams that are getting pushed out right now because everybody else has come to the middle. Everybody else has come right back to the middle, Dane. Yeah, you could add my Syracuse orange to Syracuse, that list, Joe, yes, unfortunately, absolutely. right? Yep. But yep. you made an interesting point, and Joe, uh, you, you, uh, we lost you for a hot second there. One of the things I was saying, I'm looking at this Big East conference, Joe, mm -hmm. okay? Because in a, in a year, right, where the ACC only has two or three ranked teams, you know, the Pac-12, Michigan and Ohio State are all the way on the bottom of the Big Ten. Yep. The Big East... Joe, it's almost like iron sharpening iron in the Big East. The Big East has five teams, Joe, between Seton Hall, Creighton, Nova, Butler, and Marquette. Yep. These are teams that are becoming battle-tested in their conference in a way that some SEC teams are not this year, right? That's because right. the Blue Buds aren't there. So these teams, they're kind of mid-majors. But they mm -hmm. get more respect like a Gonzaga, like a Butler, because they've been there for a while. You know, Creighton, Marquette, yep. Butler. We've seen these teams. And they are going to be, in my opinion, more battle-tested because they are going up against other teams that are yep. in this, what, thirty group of 35 that you just talked about, right? Yep. I think then when the chips are down and they're in a 4-5 matchup, when they're in a 7-10 matchup, right, they're going to be able to draw on that experience, I think, and uh, kind of be a tougher out. I'm interested yep. in the Big East as a conference with, a yep. like, there's no Kansas, right? There's That's no right. Gonzaga, but they have mm -hmm. five teams in that, say, quadrant two that you talk about, and yep. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them is battle-tested enough to get through the gauntlet. Great point. And and right now, and kudos to Creighton, they were a number 23 team going up against a yep. number 10 team in Seton Hall. Seton Hall has now lost two out of their last four games. Both of those losses, Dane, coming at home, uh, which is just really yeah. mind-blowing. You have a consensus possible AP player of the year in uh, in Powell. But Powell. They, they've had all year long, they've been really, really good at home like most like most teams, uh, especially in conference play, you dominate yeah. at home and it's a 50-50 coin flip on the road. Uh, but they have not, to lose two games the way they did in conference at home, that is, a, uh, that is a tough pill to swallow. So now Creighton, good for you. Huge win on the road, conference against Seton Hall. 
there's going to be some shifting going on here. But we always say you got to go into March rolling. You know what I mean? At the end of February, those teams that are really starting to get hot need to get it going. Right now, Seton Hall is reeling. And I don't know that there's anybody hotter than Auburn, Dane. They're 22-2 and two on the year. They're 9-2 and two in the SEC. Seventh straight win. And this gauntlet, guys, has been ridiculous what they've had to do. They've had double overtime games the last four or five games. They've had to beat Kentucky. They've had LSU. They've gone through a gauntlet here over the last two weeks, Dane. They're still 9-2 and two in the SEC. They win yet another game at home which all of a sudden that's becoming an impossible place to win at if you are a road team. And 22-2 and on a year for a team that doesn't really have a big interior presence that likes to shoot the three, but Bruce Pearl, they made it real. Remember how close they were last year, Dane, to make yeah. it to the, uh, to the dance there in the, uh, in the championship. Right, this they is a real team. With a horrible yep. broken leg. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Alabama last night, take a note of this too, because it's starting to seep into college play, guys. Alabama took 59 three-point shots last night. Mm -hmm. The math is changing. Nine, and that's that's ridiculous, guys. In college, in college. If now we can only get Virginia to do maybe half of that, they might score more than 40 points. It's like Navy football, going to the extreme. Villanova, big game last night. We'll talk about that next as well here on The Grid. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Yes, I did not want to leave out talking about the Big East that uh, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Villanova's three-game losing streak is no more. Yep. So congratulations. Uh, Nova gets it done against Marquette last night. Kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Prior to uh, this year, Marquette, had, uh, Marquette, Villanova had only been on a um, three-game losing streak once in the last 15 years. All right, shows you what Jay Wright and company are doing there. Yeah, that really. three-game losing streak actually happened last February. Uh, to Villanova, and they righted that ship uh, pretty quickly. Uh, they did this year. Again, Jay Wright, Villanova, this is kind of what you're seeing in college hoops right now, that transformation. Jay Wright is a guy that usually cultivates talent. He's playing, I think, four out of the five positions for Villanova are underclassmen. He's got freshmen. He's got sophomore. He's usually a guy filled uh, Villanova with, with guys that are there for the long haul. They play as juniors. Right. They play at senior. The old, you know, the old-fashioned way, a couple sure. of JUCO transfers, but a lot of young guys right now playing for uh, Villanova. It looks like they got it right. Big game against Marquette last night. They pull it out. So now they have a real chance, Dane, Villanova, to start padding their resume the rest of the way uh, while they go here is they've got a couple of uh, cakewalks here. They lost to Creighton. They lost to Butler. They lost to Seton Hall. If they would have lost to Marquette last night, that's uh, that would have been yeah. brutal, but that win there, they should be good to go. They have uh, they're heading into a stretch of seven games where they will have the only team that's ranked that they're going to have to face again is Seton Hall, and 
They're going in the wrong way right now. They will have an opportunity to put a couple of uh, additional wins on the resume. Villanova is going to be a real player. That whole Eastern bracket, Dane, is going to be. I'm telling you. you. And we've talked about it from San Diego State standpoint. And, you know, you mentioned it. I would rather be a number two seed and stay out West than have to be, you know, claim that I want a one seed and be. You don't want to be going through this gauntlet. You do not want to go through this gauntlet. And I love San Diego State, only remaining undefeated team in the country. But give me the number two seed. Keep me out west where my uh, where my fans are. Mm-hmm. These are, after all, Dane, 18 and 19-year-old kids. No, absolutely. We, we made that point earlier. And just to go back mm-hmm. to the Big East, they're the only conference right now that has right. five teams in the top 25. I know we talk about the 25 and the number next right. to your name, and that's not a huge deal. But just to my broader point about it maybe being the toughest conference for okay. these uh, tournament teams. And we know about you know the Big 12. We know about the ACC. Okay, This is uh, mid-major, but these schools have gone through the gauntlet, and I am going mm-hmm. to love them as five seeds, as four seeds, as six seeds yep. in the big dance when we're saying that you know, these ones and twos these years are not necessarily a cut above the rest. Yep, absolutely. And uh, tonight, listen, 62 games, a lot more bubble teams here on the card. There are some big uh, movers and shakers tonight on the card. So we'll run down four of the most heavily bet money games uh, on the board where we've seen the most movement tonight. One of them is another team, Dane, uh, kind of that that mid-major team that we've heard over the years, Wichita State is one of these teams that their name comes up all the time. They're 17-6 and six this year, taking on Central Florida tonight on the road. Now, 17-6 versus a 13-10 and 10 team, you would think it sounds like a cakewalk, right? Bigger school, what? better record, which better known school in uh, Wichita State, what? more known for its, uh, for its basketball prowess than anything. I don't even think they have a football team. Uh, it's yeah, just basketball, the, which is there. Yeah, they're that basketball squad. Yeah. They ran on and that it, run a few yeah, years they're ago. They're the Shockers, don't forget. All yeah, right? yeah, don't, make, well, don't, make me, don't make me pull up the, uh, the Shockers. Um, We're a PG show, Joe. We're a PG show. But they, show. too, have also coming off of three losses right now. Uh, they just lost to Houston 76-43. to They were a five-point dog, and they got mauled against Houston there in their last game out. UCF has a two-game winning streak right now. They're getting points on their own home court. But it doesn't look like people are overthinking it here as far as the pros go. Early line movement, shockers, two and a half is what it opened up with. I'm seeing now three, three and a half in a lot of places, Dane. So even though they're reeling that three loss in a row situation, much like Villanova, it's not scaring away the smart money. They're going, yeah, no, we like them to bounce back against an inferior team, get the job done. A team that is, you know, hitting close to 40% from three-point range. They'll get it. You know, basketball teams, Dan, when you when you shoot from the perimeter, you're going to go through those little cold stretches. That's right. That's what Wichita State has done. But the pros like Wichita State to get back on track tonight. 7 o'clock, Central Florida, taking on Wichita State. The pros love Wichita State. All right. Sounds good. I, you know what I find interesting here on tonight's basketball slate <clears throat> in college basketball? Joe, we have two ranked teams on the road in conference like we talk about i'm looking at iowa on the road at unranked indiana and out west we got the buffaloes colorado and oregon in a big time showdown 
I wonder if this is starting to happen. Because look, Joe, Indiana, I'm seeing as one and a half point favorites. The Ducks, yep. I'm seeing, albeit they are ranked as well, right? As yep. four and a half point favorites. So these ranked teams going on the road late in the conference schedule, they're not yep. getting all the love that maybe they were a few weeks ago. It's interesting. You mentioned that Colorado game. Also, yeah. huge, heavily bet game tonight on the card. Uh, and okay. when I say heavily bet, uh, that this has not only gotten public love so far, but it's also gotten some professional money and professional love as the line has moved pretty impressively. And again, we talked about it to start the show. How do you identify who the where the smart money is? How do you identify the movements in the market? Well, uh, one real easy way to look, guys, is take a look at what you are dealing with from a ticket count, where the line starts and where it goes. Colorado is won three straight. Oregon's lost three straight. You've got two teams, right, trending in wrong directions. But yet, like you mentioned, the number 16, the number 17 team. This game is in Oregon. And sure from is. what I'm seeing, the public has already been betting Colorado. Better record, higher ranking. Really? They, uh, they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, Oregon is dropped now for three straight, uh, three straight games. I'm seeing over close to 70% of the bets on Colorado here tonight. But yet, that line has gone from four, four and a half to now five in some places in favor mm. of Oregon. So that tells so the you bigger right money there, bets guys, cancel out the quantity. Uh, there you go. So the line moving towards Oregon, but yet the majority of the bets going towards Buffalo. What's happening? What's happening is that tells you it's a good indicator that the pros don't buy. This is going to be a four game losing streak for Oregon either. They don't buy it with Wichita State. They didn't buy it last night with Villanova as they also um, we're getting pounded last night by the pros. They loved Villanova last night. They ended the three-game streak. Colorado tonight, while they're good at home, altitude is always a good, uh, you know, is always a good weapon to have. And Colorado's been really good this year. But Oregon, the pros think they uh, they're coming yeah, back here. They are, they're getting too. ready to go. And it's a have revenge ever- spot for Oregon, by the way. They lost to Colorado three weeks ago uh, in Colorado. So. Joe, this is not part of my uh, handicapping, but have mm-hmm. you seen the court in Oregon? It's great, man. It's beautiful, right? man. Yeah, it's wild. It really is. It's so <laughs> it's, cold, it's, man. It's, it's supposed so... to be as if you're like camping out and like looking yep. through the canopy up. Yes. Just, I mean, that doesn't mean I think they're going to win necessarily, but yep. I just think it's weird. They do funky stuff like that out west. You know, Boise State with the blue turf. Yep. Right. This Oregon court. It's just it's just weird to me. But yes, Oregon at home, four and a half, one thirty nine is the number. Interesting that you think streaks get stopped because also, yes. Joe, don't we talk about in the betting world? So just ride the streak. Yes. Uh, college. This is a little time different. it sounds like the pros are not yep. riding the streak. Yep. They're betting for streaks to be broken here. Absolutely. Yeah. And you okay. mentioned Iowa, Indiana, right? Iowa yeah. 17 and seven. Taking on India in Indiana, which is never an easy That's place to play, hall. guys, ever. But the you would look at the records, right? 17 and 7 for Iowa, 15 and 8 looking for there. It looks like the pro money is backing Indiana at this point here, as I'm seeing the line being pushed up to a point and a half here. Big Ten, don't forget, Big Ten home favorites, 54 and 13 straight up, Dane. This is the kind of game, and I don't know what the money line is on Indiana. You may just want to scrap the uh, the point and a half and back Indiana 
at home in this spot, 54 and 13, 81% the Big Ten for home teams. That appears to be something the pros are uh, latching onto here. They're not buying the Iowa has the better record. They're ranked 21st. They're not buying it. They're buying the home favorite here in Indiana to take care of business against uh, against Iowa. Perfect buy low opportunity that you'll hear us talk about a lot on the show. Buy low, sell high, Dane. It is a market. Right now, you can buy really low in a in a trend that is 81% this year in the Big Ten. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it all sure, day long. Eight percent all the time. Indiana, give me Indiana on the money line. I'm not sure what it can't be more than a buck thirty. What is it? Minus one thirty, one twenty-five. Yep, that's where we're at. One twenty-five. Yeah, it can't be more than that. So, uh, to me, classic value in that game tonight that you should absolutely be looking at. Forget the minus one and a half. Go to the money line, lay it. Indiana should be your play. And that might actually be my play of the night here. I'm thinking this close to being able to do it, Dane. Yes. And I what that's what's great about college hoops, Dane, is that when you have these teams with these streaks, and we know in the NBA, listen, guys being paid $30 million a year, they're gonna figure it out on a Tuesday, Wednesday night sometimes. Even the Knicks uh, put together a win streak. But in college. The better team, usually the cream rises to the top. Dana Altman, the guys in Oregon, they're not going to lose four. Villanova, Jay Wright, they ain't losing four games in a row, guys. Like, they, they'll figure it out. Wichita State tonight will figure it out. So I like a lot of these streaks tonight to be done with. Um, and I also like that Arizona State-Stanford game. Another monster bet game here. And, yeah, it looks like uh, the pros love the dog here. Arizona State on the road against Stanford. They're hammering it. Two and a half down from three and a half. Bobby Hurley. Duke. Yeah. Coaches may be another way to go in this year, right? But we don't have the talent. Yep. The blue blood. Unbelievable. All right, hour two coming up here. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more.